Morning, everyone. Today we do the third sermon in the series of Inside Out Way of Jesus. So far, we have uh, been reminded uh, by Elder Edwin and Pastor Chiming that uh, when we are broken before God, right, and when we are humbled, then God is able to make something beautiful of our lives. Then He's able to make us whole. Then He's able to fill us up. Today, we want to cover the topic, Emptied to be Filled. Our passage is from Luke 14, 15 to 24. The passage that is entitled, The Parable of the Great Banquet, in some Bible versions. Let's read that together. And as we read that, I want us to note some things. Namely, why did Jesus tell this parable? And secondly, what were the reasons and excuses that people gave for not being able to attend the banquet? Okay, so let's read that and let's just take note of these two things together. Let's read that together. When one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I've just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. Another said, I've just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. The servant came back and reported this to his master. Then the owner of the house became angry and ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and alleys of the town and bring in the poor, the crippled, the blind and the lame. Sir, the servant repeated, what you have ordered has been done, but there is still room. Then the master told his servant, Go out into the roads and country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. Now let me explain the scene of this event. Jesus was at, Jesus was at the house of a very prominent Pharisee. right? And so far he had already done many things uh, to make his hosts and guests and the fellow guests feel very uncomfortable, including he treated a man, he healed a man on that day, which was the Sabbath day. And he also criticized the attitude of uh, picking the places of honor at the, at the table. And then he told them off for shamelessly uh, inviting guests for a meal that can only repay the favor but not inviting the poor and the needy. So at this point of time, there must have been a very awkward silence already among everybody in the room, right? So to lighten the mood, to, to, to break the ice, one person just popped up and said, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. And that's where then Jesus begins to tell this parable. 
Now, to understand what Jesus is saying in this parable, you must understand what the great banquet means. What does it represent? Was Jesus just using a banquet as a convenient example to talk about accepting and, or rejecting an invitation? Or did he specifically refer to a banquet because it has a special meaning? So it is the latter. Because the great banquet refers to the kingdom of God. How do we know this? Well, firstly, because Jesus told the parable in response to the remark about the feast in the kingdom of God. And also, those who know their scripture, the Pharisees, will be familiar with the reference in Isaiah, which speaks about God preparing a feast for all peoples who trust in Him after He swallows up death and after He saves them. So when Jesus speaks about the great banquet, He's talking about the kingdom of God. And his message has to do with accepting or rejecting the kingdom of God. Now, why did Jesus tell this parable? We ask ourselves, why did Jesus tell this parable? What was his message to the original hearers of the parable? Well, the Pharisees were thinking, you know, they would be the privileged ones to be included in the feast in the kingdom of God because they were following all the religious practices, religiously meeting all the requirements. But Jesus' message to them was, God has come, but you rejected him. And instead of depending, but you rejected him, depended on your own religiosity. You depend on your own works for salvation. And meanwhile, God is inviting into salvation those who the Pharisees think were not fit, not worthy to be included in the kingdom of God, including Gentiles and pagans. In other words, Jesus was saying to those who thought they were sure that they were being saved, Jesus asking, are you sure? Are you sure you'll be included? So what about us today? What's the message for us? I think the parable provides a good call for us to evaluate our hearts. So back to the parable. Let's look at the reasons. Let's look at the reasons that people gave for rejecting the invitation. Actually, the Bible is very clear. The Bible doesn't call it reasons. The Bible calls it excuses. In all the scripture versions that at least I have checked, huh? in the NIV, ESV, KJV, NASB, they all say the guests made excuses. But before we get into the excuses, let's just understand the custom of the day, the custom of invitation for the day. Right? The custom of invitation was that two invitations are made. The first invitation, they ask you, you know, are you able to make it? Will you come? Then after you reply, then the host will plan the feast. The host will plan the feast, and when the feast is ready, because at that time there's no telephone and all that, right? The first feast is ready, the servant will be sent out and will ask you and tell you, the feast is ready. Come now. Come now. Right? Actually, not very different from some of the wedding invitations we get nowadays, right? I just got one. Uh, it says, my son is getting married on such and such a day. Uh, are you able to make it? If you are, I will send you the invitation card. Right? 
Then after you get the invitation card, you must RSVP, right? Otherwise, somebody will call you and say, are you coming? But I, uh, sometimes I feel like saying, I thought I told you already I'm coming, right? But that's the way it works. It's even more leche than this invitation of the ancient Jewish practice. Huh? So, so after so many times of confirming uh, whether you're coming or not, it's quite an insult to the host, right, if you don't turn up, finally. So in this parable, the feast is ready and the servant goes round to get the guests to come. But the people give various excuses as to why they can't come. Let's look at the excuses. Were they valid? The first guy says, I bought a field. I must go and check it out. Please excuse me. Then the second one says, I bought five yoke of oxen. I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. And the third says, I just got married, so I can't come. This guy doesn't even bother to say, please excuse me. You know, it's like, duh, I'm married. It's obvious, you know, <laughs> I can't come. So at the first glance, the excuses seem valid, right? They all seem legitimate. But thinking further, Actually, they may not be. If you bought a property, don't you think you would have already checked it out before you bought it? And if you bought oxen similarly, you would have checked them out rather than having to check them out after you bought them, right? And you're married, so what? <laughs> Can't you bring your wife or bring your husband? Right? So, even if, the, sorry, even if the excuses were all really legitimate, the field and the oxen urgently need to be checked out. And the wife urgently demands your attention, you know, and urgently says that you cannot go <laughs> for the wedding feast. It just means that all these other things are more important to you than attending the great banquet of the king. You know, in contrast, in my previous career in HR, there are actually a lot of invitations to a lot of functions that I don't really want to go. <laughs> but I end up going anyway, right? Because, or at least show my face for a little while, because you don't want to, you know, uh, spoil the relationship with the other party. You don't want to uh, look bad. Huh? You don't want the reputation to be affected, your goodwill. You don't want... Uh, all sorts of things. So you think it's critical for you to go, right? And you show up even though you don't want to go. But here in the story, it's the other way around, right? They ask to come and they say they're coming, but they don't want to come. So they make excuses. They make excuses to attend the great banquet. And remember, the banquet refers to the kingdom of God. So the Singaporean version of this parable could be, you know, imagine you are a foreigner, and I think some of you don't need to imagine. And some of you have gone through this before, okay? You become a PR, right? You think Singapore is not bad, so you want to apply for Singapore citizenship. You put in your application, after many months, the government approves your application. And they invite you to this citizen swearing-in ceremony, right, to make it official. 
to get you to take the oath to sing Majula Singapura, right? Ching. Uh, <laughs> receive your citizenship cert, receive your new red IC, okay? But in the meantime, in the meantime, you're having second thoughts between the application and between their reply. You're having second thoughts, right? You're not so sure you want to be a Singapore citizen anymore. So you call them up and say, can I postpone my appointment, you know, uh, because I've got something more important to do. So what does this mean? Do you really want to be a Singapore citizen? In the parable, how did the master know whether his guests really wanted to attend the banquet? Was it by their words? Whether they replied to him yes or no? Or was it by their action? When the time came for the banquet, did they really show up? Or did they decline, making excuses? So the question for us today, is attending the king's banquet more important than the other things in our lives? Bear in mind, the banquet refers to the kingdom of God. So we're really asking, is our king and his kingdom more important to us than the other things in our lives? Most of us, if you look at the screen, most of us receive this invitation many years ago. We said, Jesus, I accept you as my Savior and Lord. Come into my life. Take control of my life. But how are we doing now? Since we confess Christ as our Lord and King, I believe for most of us, God has progressed our career, progressed us in our education, enhanced our business, investments, increased our possessions, given us more significant relationships. Spouse, kids, some of you even grandkids. God has poured many blessings into our lives. Remember, the question is, is the king and his kingdom more important to us than all these other things in our lives? So one gauge, one gauge is, what are our lives filled with? now. And one way of assessing this is what are our schedules filled with? And I don't mean just the things that are on your calendar, right? But what do we really do with the time in our days, in our nights, in our week, in our year? If we examine how we live our lives, all the public and private moments, and evaluate what fills our lives, what does it tell us about the most important desire in our life and our desire for God? Now, I'm not asking you to check how many Christian meetings are on your calendar, okay? Whether it be CG or prayer meeting or Christian workshops. But rather, do you still give time to God and things of God in your lives? How much time do you give to those things? Is God a major part of your life or is he just occupying some corner? And as you go about doing the other things in your life, is God a consideration in the way you work, 
in the way you study, in the way you parent, in the way you manage your finances? If your answer after an honest review is, God is still the most important thing in my life. I not only enjoy His blessings, I enjoy Him. You know, He's part of everything that I do in my life. Then praise God. Praise God. Continue. Continue in that, brother. Continue in that, sister. But if your assessment is, well, I'm a bit too busy nowadays to pray and I haven't really spent proper time with God's Word in a long while. His Word and guidance is not naturally something I take into consideration in the decisions I make. I'm not so conscious about showing His love to people around me, not to mention being a witness for Him. Then, we need to ask ourselves, what has filled our lives to the extent it has taken away my space and time for the king. So could it be the comforts of life, you know? Could it be that building my home, building my career, position, investments, my family has overtaken my preference and my priority for God? Has my wealth become my security for my future? Are my possessions and relationships my sole satisfaction? You know, more than 30 years ago, uh, when I was courting Rebecca, uh, I remember wanting very badly to to be with this woman as my life partner. Uh, So I was quite afraid, actually, to tell God, to ask God, is this the right one? Because I was afraid God may say no. <laughs> it's not that there's anything wrong or bad with Rebecca, huh? but I'm just concerned. And, I, and after 27 plus years of marriage, I can tell you that she has been a great uh, wife and mother uh, and to my kids. Okay? Uh, and you know, I've, she's also helped my journey in my faith and uh, uh, in my ministry. Right? But at that point, at that point, she was so important to me Right? That I was afraid to ask God, you know, do you agree? Do you agree that I take her as my wife? Of course, subsequently, uh, I asked God's forgiveness for that. But it just goes to show that in our lives, sometimes things, our things or people can become more important to us huh, than what God matters, what matters to God. I recently saw a good quote by John Piper on a brother's Facebook page. So I asked him, where do you get that quote? You know, I want to read the article. He messaged back to me. It's desiring.org. Yeah? Uh, it's an online sermon. You can go and listen to it. Okay, how many of you are familiar with John Piper? How many of you go to his website and, uh, and listen? Is there something wrong with... Uh, uh, <laughs> yes, you're right. <laughs> After a while, he sent me another message. He says, oops, I left out the word God. <laughs> So as I reflected on that, I said, that's a picture of my life sometimes, you know. There's a lot of desires. There's a lot of desiring. But God is not part of that desire. We can leave God out. All the other desires can become more important. 
So that could be one aspect that's keeping us away uh, from God, some of the worldly comforts of life. Or for some of us, it could be the cares of life, you know? Life is just propelling you along, right? You feel helpless. You feel like there's a raging storm, river of demands that from work, from bosses, from customers. Your typical work day ends at 9 p.m. Your wife or your husband tells you you don't spend enough time with them, don't spend enough time with the kids. You don't even have time for exercise, not to mention, you know, do the stuff that you want to do. And you also feel guilty that you're not doing enough for God. But you find you're just caught, you know, just caught. You don't have a choice. It seems that if you don't attend to all these things right now, the pressing needs, you know, it's going to be trouble for you or it's going to be trouble for your future. So some of us could be like that. What's taking us away from God? It's maybe the cares of life are just burdening us. Others of us, you know, what could be keeping us away from God? Ironically, it could be Christian activities. Okay, there's no such word actually. I just made that up. It's Christian activities, right? Christian activities could be keeping us away from God. We are working so hard for God, either in church or outside church. We are involved in this ministry, that ministry, that organization. It takes up a substantial portion of our time. And we think we may even be doing okay because we are taking part in so many Christian programs, right? God understands, right, that I don't have time to do my quiet time or pray because I'm involved in so much Christian ministry. Well, from personal experience, I can identify with this. There are many times in the past where I was so involved in ministry but not doing well in my personal walk with God. Going in my own strength and wisdom and feeling drained and feeling dry. So do any of these situations resonate with us? Are our lives filled with things that compete with or distract us from God? Have our preferences and priorities for other things overtaken our preference and priority for God? If this is the case, if this describes our life, then how can we write the situation? Well, for these these three things, let me just suggest that the things that are keeping us away from God, obviously, we must learn to come to God and empty them out. But what do we really need to receive from God for truly a full life? Well, for those of us who think that maybe, you know, our comforts of life are distracting us from God, I think we have to ask Him for godly contentment. Contentment, I think to me, is just a state of being happy with whatever we have now, not worrying about what we lack, not worrying about the future because we trust that we have a God whose grace is sufficient for us. 
Anyway, I'll leave Elder Edwin to speak more next week. His topic is contentment. That's the topic of next week's sermon. But the point is, our lives can be full, full of stuff, full of people, but we may not be fulfilled. Christ's invitation is to the great banquet. A banquet is different from a normal meal that just fills your hunger. Christ has prepared a great banquet for us. All kinds of food, you know, those of us Singaporeans, buffet, we know, all kinds of food, yeah? Course after course. Not only wonderful food, but wonderful fellowship that is supremely satisfying, richly fulfilling our deepest needs, our deepest desires, our deepest longings in a way other things cannot. And a feast that goes on and on and on for eternity, hosted by the King. If we put all our satisfaction in our work, possessions, relationships, one day we will be let down by them when we realize they cannot truly satisfy us. They cannot offer us the true joy, the true peace, the true security, and the true hope. This is not to demean or put down all the other things in our lives, our work, our business, relationships, affections. These are blessings from God. But we also need to understand that when the more the man attends God's feast, the better he will also do in attending to all the other things in his life, his work, his family, loving his family, etc. How about those who have a lot of cares, you know? Those of us who feel very stressed, who can't get off the treadmill of busyness, I think we need to ask God to calm our, our storm. Yeah? We need to go to Him for that. Jesus said, Come to me, all you are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I don't know the specifics of how you can change your life so that things become better, but I do know who knows the answers. Our Lord Jesus is the good shepherd and he wants to guide us. You know, as I was reading the passage again, it struck me. Jesus not only offers to share our burdens, he not only says, take the yoke upon me, I will share your burden. Jesus also says, learn from me. So we want to go to him. We want to go to him to find wisdom, to find a way out for the situation, the so-called situation that we're in, that we feel that we cannot manage. We want to go to him for that. And finally, for those of us who may be, you know, doing a lot of Christian activities, doing so much for Christ that is taking us away from spending time with Christ, then we are missing the point. And we have to ask God to refocus us on Christ 
get our priority right. Now, today's message is not to make us all feel guilty, you know, to feel condemned. Romans 8 tells us, Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. If God is speaking to you today about any of these things, He is lovingly wanting to get you back on track so that you don't miss out and are able to fully enjoy everything that He has in store the best that he has in store for you. So the call today is empty. Empty to be filled. But you know, God has actually beat us to that. He's already done that first. Philippians 2 tells us that Christ has emptied himself, made himself nothing, taking the form of a servant for you and for me. Can you imagine one day, you know, you go to the office and the office toilet bowl is stuck? You know? And it's a mess, okay? And the cleaner is on medical leave, so there's nobody to clear up the mess, right? And nobody can use the toilet. And then as you go into the toilet, you see, wow, your CEO is there, you know, with his sleeves rolled up, you know, with the toilet plunger in his hand. And he's all ready to go into action to clear the toilet. How would you feel? You know, you'd be shocked, right? And you'd be saying, you know, no, 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 let's, let's wait until tomorrow or something like that. Or, or, or some of you may actually say, no, 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 I'll do it instead, right? Because you can't imagine the CEO lowering himself to clean the toilet. Right? Of course, that doesn't really happen in real life. Huh? I don't think so. <laughs> okay, but Christ, Christ who was the Lord of heaven and earth, Christ who was the creator of everything that is created just by the word of his mouth. This Lord who is not bounded by time or space, this Lord, who is the all-powerful one, the all-knowing one, the God who has legions of angels at his command. <clears throat> this God was willing to come and humble himself to be obedient even unto death, death on the cross. And so that's what he's done for us, and he's emptied himself first for our sakes. And not only that, Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and may have life to the full. So we don't have to be worried that when we empty ourselves out, you know, it's going to be bad for us. It's going to be worse for us because our God has actually come to make sure that we have life to the full. And He wants to fill us up, fill us up with better stuff, with the best stuff than what we could ever get for ourselves. So I just want to give us some time to respond to God. Can I ask that everybody just uh, close your eyes and bow? And I can invite the music team to come up.
The call today is empty to be filled. Because Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and have it to the full. So as we come before God today, I just want us to think about some of these things. Have the comforts of life. Have the cares of life. Or have even Christian activities gotten in our way of putting God first in our lives. What is God saying to you today? The things that have overtaken Him in our preference, in our priority, let's just lay that before Him. Let's ask Him to reinstall the kingdom perspective in our lives. Ask Him to help us to see things in His light so that we understand how we can really have a full life. Surrender our concerns to Him. Call out to Him for help. Trust that He can sort out things for us. Trust His wisdom. Trust His guidance. Ask Him to make a way out for you. And if what you're doing for Christ is keeping you from being with Christ, then ask God to refocus, to correct your focus, get your focus right, so that your goal will be on Him. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we just want to surrender the things in our lives that have overtaken our preference and priority for you. We want to lay these at your feet because we know you have better things for us and we want you to fill us with those better things that you have in store for us. We receive them with thanksgiving, acknowledging that you are the God who loves us, that you have the God who has the best in mind for all of us. We thank you, Jesus, and we pray all this in your mighty name. Amen. Can we all rise and let's just sing this song together again. As we do so, let's just recommit to Him.
To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless with great joy, to the only God our Saviour, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. Service is ended. Thank you.